0: seated grace and peace to you from god our father and from lord and savior jesus christ let us pray gracious god as we gather here this morning we pray that your spirit would be among us to give us life to give us hope to lift our spirits and send us out into the world in jesus name amen when I was 14 years old, I remember it was a Friday morning, and at about 6 o'clock in the morning, something woke me up, banging on my window, it was just this non-stop banging and banging and banging, I couldn't figure out what it was, and I looked down and I couldn't really tell anything, so I went out into the living room and looked out the window there, and it was just pouring down rain, just wind was whipping, I mean, like I would never seen it before. And so I, you know, because I had to get up for school in a while, I went back to bed and tried to sleep. And for the longest time, it was just that banging. It wouldn't stop. And then suddenly, it quit. No more banging. So I went to sleep. And then a little while later, I woke up. Now, this was September the 22nd, 1989. And we had heard that a bad storm was going to be rolling through there, possibly. It's... This little storm called Hurricane Hugo. Maybe you heard of it. Now, if in fact you do your research and look at Hurricane Hugo, you'll be like, wait, it hit on September the 21st. But I was in the foothills of North Carolina, six hours away from any beach, and it hit us on the 22nd. And so I looked out the window, and by then the storm was pretty much over, and it was devastating. Our white house was green, because it was as if all of the leaves on the trees had gone through a blender and just splattered up against everything. The reason that my the, the the beating stopped on my window is because it was a dogwood tree that used to be outside the window. It wasn't there anymore, but we were lucky. That's about all the damage. That, that our house endured. Now, of course, there were some limbs down, and there was a limb that was hanging from a power line five feet above my brother's car, but that was it. My neighbors, however, they weren't so lucky. Um, I remember across the street, uh, there was an oak tree that had fallen over, and if you know anything about oak trees, there's a huge root system. The entire yard was standing straight up in the air. There were a lot of friends and neighbors who had trees in their homes, Some branches through windows, some lost entire floors. Power, of course, was out. I mean, we got up to get ready for school, but there was no school, not for another week and a half to two weeks, because that's how long it took to get power back. The roads were basically impassable. But as everyone came out, an amazing thing happened. No one cared about their own stuff, and everybody cared about their neighbor. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, my friends and I would walk down the street to see how we could help people, and all these old ladies kept shoving us ice cream because they wanted to get it out of their freezer before it melted. It was a great day. And, and, and you know, all, the neighbors weren't saying, well, that tree that fell on my house was on your property. No one cared. Everyone was out with their chainsaws or their rakes or their shovels or did whatever they could for the other people. You were checking on the neighbor across the street more than you were even checking on how your own house was doing. It was an incredible day to be in a community. Yesterday, we celebrated, or celebrated is probably not the right word, but recognized the 20th anniversary of September the 11th, 2001. It's a day, if you were alive, you remember. Um, You remember exactly where you were when you saw or when you heard about the attack on America. And as an American my whole life, my favorite this today is the anniversary of my proudest day as an American. Because on this day, September the 12th, 2001, was when our country was its most together that I had ever seen. People were flying flags everywhere. Um, We were calling people that we hadn't spoken to in a long time. We were praying with each other. I remember I got a phone call a few hours after the attacks happened. It was from a a friend of mine who attended the large Lutheran church that was three miles down the road from where I was serving. They had lost their pastor a couple weeks before uh, he had gone to another church. And so they were without a pastor. And he asked me to come and conduct a community service at that church. Well, that's kind of strange, isn't it? The pastor going to another church to do a service, but no one cared. Everyone from my church came to the bigger church. People who weren't even Lutheran were there. Everyone just needed to be together. Do you remember that? Wasn't it incredible, just the togetherness that we felt? That's what happens in the face of tragedy so often, right? Right? that is when the best of humanity comes out when we show the love that we've been given we where we care about our neighbors it's incredible or at least it used to be the last couple years we've been dealing with not just a national tragedy but a worldwide pandemic and instead of the best that humanity has to offer we've seen the worst have we not everyone has been so concerned not about their neighbor but about themselves and the people who are most concerned about others our healthcare care workers our, our, our educators and and those that are on the front lines it's as if they don't matter anymore oh at first it, they were heroes but now now our school nurses are literally being threatened because it's their job to call and quarantine kids that happened in this very community we have arguments back and forth about whether or not we're going to wear a piece of cloth on our face, um, about whether or not we're going to get a shot in our arm, and, and, and it's just, well, it's just plain ugly. And I admit to you that today, I before you, and I'm mad. I've been mad all week because this past Monday, as I was on my way home from a day at the beach on Labor Day, I got a phone call to tell me that pastor Richard Conrad Davis Inman had died Ricky was the pastor of a church in this area he's 38 years old he went to the hospital several weeks ago with COVID and he died now Rick had a lot of pre-existing conditions he because he was very premature he had had several kidney transplants along the way But despite the fact that their pastor was extremely high risk, the congregation refused to wear masks. And he contracted COVID at church by somebody who wasn't exactly feeling well that day and had it. And he died. Why so needlessly? Because we're so concerned about ourselves that's all that matters we're so concerned about how we feel about how comfortable we are about what's best for me about my rights that nothing else matters now folks I am NOT a medical expert of any kind I'm not an immunologist I'm not a virologist I don't even know if that's the right word but I do know a thing or two about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And as we look at today's gospel reading, I can assure you that there is a very specific message for us today. We've been in the season of Pentecost, and along the way, what it is, it's the season of Pentecost. You know, Christmas is all about the birth of Christ, and Lent's about the death of Jesus, and Easter's about the resurrection of Christ. Pentecost is about the church, it's about discipleship. And, and so what we've been doing is we've been traveling with the disciples and we've been witnessing Jesus' miracles and, and, and we've been hearing the teachings that, that impact our lives. And so now it sort of com- all comes to a head for the disciples as Jesus is sitting around and he asks him, who do the people say that I am? And the answer is pretty simple. Well, some think you're John the Baptist and some think you're Elijah and others, you know, I think you're one of the prophets. But then Jesus gets a little more pointed. He says, But who do you say that I am? Peter responds, You're the Messiah. You are the one, the one we've been waiting on. You are the Messiah, the one that's come to save the world. It's you. Well, then Jesus goes on to define what being the Messiah means. He said, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, and be killed, and on the third day rise again. And of course, you all know what happens next. Peter, who just had this incredible declaration about Jesus, comes by and says, "Uh uh-uh, Lord, nope. That's not the way it's going to happen to you. Because even he doesn't understand. He knows Jesus is the Messiah, but he doesn't understand what that means. But then Jesus goes on, get behind me, Satan. You're setting your mind not on godly things, but on human things. And then he says a thing that we need to hear. He says, if any want to become my disciples, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. If any want to become my disciples, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now see... We've heard that phrase before, right? We've heard this passage, have we not? This is nothing new. But here's the thing. We reverse it. Because here's, all right. How many of you follow Jesus? I follow Jesus, love Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. Yes? We'll follow Jesus. And then we talk about take up their cross. You're going to take up a cross? Yes. You know why we'll do that? Because for one, do you ever know, have you ever met somebody that's been crucified? Have you ever heard about somebody being crucified lately? No. And we're not even really in danger of being killed for our faith. So it's pretty safe to say, sure we'll take up a cross. No problem. I do it every every good Friday. You'll see me. I'll take up a cross and carry it in here. But then we get to the first thing Jesus said. The one we kind of gloss over here. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. And that's When Jesus goes from preaching to meddling. Because denying ourselves means that we put others first. And not just our family and our friends or the people in the pews next to us. No, we put everybody else first. It means that we aren't concerned about our comfort. We're concerned about the comforts of others. We're not concerned about our rights. We're concerned about the rights of others. We're not concerned about our health. We're concerned about the health of others. It means denying ourselves means we we stop being so centered on ourselves. Because see that's our problem. The root of all sin is self-centeredness. It happened at the very beginning. God said, hey, you can eat of all the trees but don't eat that one And Satan comes up and goes, you know why God doesn't want you to do that? Because then you'll be smart like him. And so what did they say? Well, I want to be like God. I want that. From the very beginning, sin is all about our own self-centeredness. It is our inability to deny ourselves. And a lot of times it has taken a national tragedy or a community tragedy to bring us together to help us deny ourselves and now we've even lost sight of that. My friends, I don't know what it is but I can assure you it ain't Christian. Yesterday, I was in the car driving home and um, was listening to some of the, the coverage of the 9-11 memorial stuff. And our former president, George W. Bush, made a speech at the memorial service for Flight uh, Flight 93, the one that went down in Pennsylvania. And I want to read to you a portion of that speech. In the weeks and months following the 9-11 attacks, I was proud to lead an amazing, resilient, united people. When it comes to the unity of America, those days seemed distant from our own. A malign force seems at work in our common life that turns every disagreement into an argument and every argument into a clash of cultures so much of our politics has become a naked appeal to anger, fear and resentment that leaves us worried about our nation and our future together I come without explanations or solutions I can only tell you what I've seen on America's day of trial and grief I saw millions of people instinctively grab for a neighbor's hand and rally to the cause of one another That is the America I know. At a time when religious bigotry might have flowed freely, I saw Americans reject prejudice and embrace people of the Muslim faith. That is the nation I know. At a time when nativism could have stirred hatred and violence against people perceived as outsiders, I saw Americans reaffirm their welcome to immigrants and refugees. That is the nation I know. At a time when some viewed the rising generation as individualistic and decadent, I saw young people embrace an ethic of service and rise to selfless action. That is the nation I know. This is not mere nostalgia. It is the truest version of ourselves. It is what we have been, and it is what we can be again. I would say not only it is it is it. The nation that we know. This is the faith that we are called to. You and I are called to deny ourselves. We've been talking a lot about discipleship when we've been talking about the six signs of living, but all of that begins with self denial. My friends, we love because we're loved, we forgive because we're given. We're forgiven. We, we are merciful because we have been shown mercy. We deny because Jesus denied himself. And we sacrifice because he sacrificed everything for us. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means being willing to look past yourself to the needs of other people. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's time for us to deny ourselves it's time for us to be the people that we are created and called to be not ones that are navel gazing and just looking what's best for number one it's not all about me it's all about him and therefore it's all about them we love because we're loved we forgive because we're forgiven We are merciful because we have been shown mercy. We deny ourselves because he denied himself. And we sacrifice because he sacrificed everything for you and me. Amen.